Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. Human beings are social creatures for the most part. But despite living in a world of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, many of us still feel disconnected, isolated, even lonely. And this can be especially true for people with developmental disabilities. Well, the woman you're about to meet is the executive director of an organization that is trying to change that. Now, I have to tell you, the idea behind the concept of this podcast, Person of Interest, was to spend time getting to know people that I find fascinating without the pressure of a clock. Well, I have to confess to you, I had never met or even heard of today's guest before this interview was booked. Natalie Jones, our producer, recently met her at a fundraiser and said, you have got to meet this person. She works for a fantastic organization that's doing great things for people with developmental disabilities here in the tri-state. And she herself turned out to be pretty fascinating and inspiring, which is why she's this week's person of interest. My name is, uh, technically it's Candace Jones Peelman, so I'm one of those people. I grew up in Oakley, uh, mother of two in Madisonville, married, and I'm the executive director of Starfire, also in Madisonville. So, and What is Starfire? Sure. Starfire is a nonprofit that is solely focused on building social connections in the lives of people with developmental disabilities. So our work is how do you take somebody and get them connected to ordinary citizens that have the same interests or skills or talents of them, and how do you kind of create friendships, projects, uh, social connectivity? And what inspired that? What inspired Starfire or that mission? Both. Both yeah. Uh, Starfire has been around under that name since 93. It was founded by parents and volunteers who felt that their children with disabilities didn't have a social life. They didn't get invited to parties. They didn't have uh, friends. So an outing program was founded. What When we started thinking about, you know, what's the future of Starfire in 2010, we did a strategic plan around more around philosophy and values and found that outings weren't making people less lonely. They were kind of a temporary solution to loneliness. Mm. Um, the outings would have been structured that a paid staff like myself and a couple of volunteers would take a group of people with disabilities to a hockey game. And that was fun. But people would go home and still be lonely. Be lonely again. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we started being uh, asked a question, who's going to care about my son or daughter when I'm not here? And for us, I think that really stopped us in our tracks, that perhaps what we had been doing for 20 years was contributing to the problem instead of alleviating that problem of loneliness and social isolation. That's That's a bitter pill to have to swallow. Yeah, yeah. So I've been there since 2008, and my predecessor, Tim, my colleague who works with us as well still, um, very bravely said that those models exist, but Starfire is going to play over here to start addressing that loneliness factor, that social isolation, and that people with disabilities can want more and can be pillars in our community. You know, we can have projects, we can have jobs, we can know people outside of paid staff or other people with disabilities. So we've been... Uh, fully in that community mindset since 2016. Can you give me an example of how that plays out? Sure, sure. So just recently, Starfire's Facebook wall just posted a picture of Becky. Becky is a a woman with a disability that I worked with for a couple years ago who's always been interested in gardening. She's been a volunteer at Green Acres Foundation, the Mm -hmm. Civic Garden Center, and Rothenburg Elementary. And then just recently, because she had developed her own skills, her own passion, her own knowledge around that, was just hired at a nursery close to her home in Coleraine Township. 
So that is our work. How do you take one person? You help facilitate that. Yeah. So we facilitate that relationship, uh, make those introductions and help a person be seen as valued as opposed to a client or a consumer or what have you. Is that a challenge convincing businesses to consider someone with a disability that on the outside may seem like a limitation? Yeah, I, I won't say it's not a challenge. I think the challenge is less so when disability is not the introduction, but the shared interest is the introduction. So in her case, it was not, would you be willing to hire a disabled gardener? It's, will you look at this woman's resume? She's worked at Green Acres. She's volunteered with Rothenberg. She's been in the Civic Garden Center. She was in the Monfort Heights Women's Garden Club. This is a qualified person who knows what she's talking about. And you have that in common. Um, disability goes to the, I think, in the background a little bit because you have that in common and the invitation is just more likely. Do you want to brew beer with Michael? Yes, I like beer. Do you want to brew beer with a guy with Down syndrome? Is a very different question. Um, but it's the same thing, right? We're just flipping the narrative a little bit of Tell how we Tell me about the young man with Down syndrome that you hooked up with a beer brewery. Sure. So Michael and I worked together for a couple of years, 2012, 2013. And um, our work, we would say, is person-centered. How do you focus on just what one person is interested in? So we don't do anything in a group anymore by design. Michael said, I like beer. And I said, all right, well, we, we can't go drink beer every day. We have to think, you know, what is there around that that we can focus on? How do we get connected around that? At the time, um, Kenny and Brady were brewing. Um, they were not a multi-million dollar brewery on Madison Road just yet. They were fledgling, about to open at the Kennedy Road location. We knew them because a, a colleague of mine was neighbors with them. And we said, can we sit down and interview you? Can we talk about beer? What is there? How do you brew? What if we did this? We had a board member at the time that was the accountant for 50 West Brewery. And they were similarly in 2013, not quite as big and notable just yet. And so I, the staff at Starfire, just facilitated that conversation. How can we, as people who all like beer, get together and do something interesting together? From that, the brew review launched. We, we brewed a beer with 50 West and Madry and other citizens and volunteers and had a tasting. And some of that money went back to Michael's community theater that he is in with his other um, neighbors. After that happened in June of 2013, Kenny and Bobby, Kenny of Madry, Bobby of 50 West said, well, we like this guy. You know, what happens next? How do we keep knowing him? And both of those businesses hired him, and he's worked at both of them since 2013. It's been a successful marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, back to you. I mean, what inspired, this seems like such a creative idea. I'm amazed that more people and organizations haven't tackled this sooner. Loneliness is an issue that is definitely uh, impacting people with disabilities' lives. But if you read the news, if you read anything, Isolation and loneliness is impacting all of us. So we are more connected. I have Facebook. I have Twitter. I'm on Instagram. But yet I still don't know my neighbors or I still feel like maybe I'm not a part of something or I don't have friends or I don't have people to call. And that is true of elderly groups or people with addictions or people who are homeless. We are, as much as we're much more connected society, we're still in our pockets of isolation. So Starfire, we think that this is really everybody's problem and everybody's opportunity to say, you know, why can't you introduce yourself? Why can't you work on something interesting? Why can't you get to know each other? And not in a Pollyanna way, but in a really practical way. 
Uh, last night, my kids and I walked down the street. There's a, a man who's been gorilla gardening on railroad property land. I won't say where because I don't want him to get in trouble uh, for about 30 years. And I just said, hey, could could we put our garden here, too? And he said, yeah. And it takes a little bit of nervousness to knock on his door and say, would we be allowed to do this? Would we be allowed to garden with you? But there's also a great opportunity in saying, well, why not? Why can't we garden together? Why does this have to be in my own backyard by myself in a silo isolated from everybody else? So Starfire likes to change that thinking a bit. Let's let's think about the we as opposed to just me or myself or separately. We're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, more from Candace Jones Peelman, the path that led her to Starfire. How she balances the demands of her job with two young children, what inspires her own personal sense of community, and how our community is becoming more inclusive of people with developmental disabilities as Person of Interest continues. We'll be back with more Person of Interest in a moment. And now, Person of Interest with QNO2's Jeff Thomas continues. Welcome back to Person of Interest. We're talking with Candace Jones Peelman, who is the executive director of the Starfire Organization, an organization that's committed to helping people with developmental disabilities connect to their community and their community to them. And let's talk, let's talk about what led you to this place and yeah. this line of work. Uh, it, I wish there was a better story. It was accidental. So I am very much a typical Cincinnati story. I went to grade school and high school. Here I went to undergrad at Xavier. I went to graduate school at UC. I have never lived more than a five mile radius of where my grandmother lived, um, probably on purpose. But also at the same time, um, I had gotten into teaching and I hated it. So graduated college when I was 21. I wound up teaching in Indiana. And you always wanted to be a teacher before that? No, I Did don't Did you know. have a dream job when you were young? Yes. My what dream was job was to be a writer. Um, Starfire has a blog. I actually haven't written in about a year and a half, but that, that was kind of a good outlet. I became a teacher mostly because I thought I had had really impactful teachers throughout my life. And it was kind of that, like, I could be one of them. So you were inspired yeah. to inspire someone else. You wanted to inspire others the way your teachers inspired you? Sure. Yeah. And I think I, the other side of that is I'm just a nerd. I like reading. I like learning. And I think there was a bit of an innocence that everybody does. And so in in um, in practice, in a classroom, when you're teaching 17-year-olds or 15-year-olds, it was not, it was not that. So long story short, I resigned. I quit teaching. And that spring, I pretty much just applied to a bunch of different nonprofits. In college and in high school, I had been involved in service learning and service work. Um, And Starfire was one of those places I applied to in 2008. I interviewed and I've been working there ever since. So, But you were drawn to service. Yeah, I was drawn more to there's something more to learning than just brick and mortar in a classroom. Um, that learning should be experiential and it should be community and it should be relational. And so when you made it, to, so 2008, you're at Starfire. You've been there now 10 years. 10 years. You had, <clears throat> you've had two children within this 10-year span, yes? Yes. Where I work is very family-friendly and I have been working, my, my daughter will be four in May, to make sure that my daughter and my son see that Mama's work is not just work, but this is about all of us. So how does how do, when we talk about a work-life balance, you could say, when I'm off at five, I'm off at five, and I don't think about it. I don't do anything about it. Or you could say, 
my work is about life. It is about living a better life and being an example to my children about getting to know our neighbors and being inclusive of people that are left out. So there is that side. The other side of that is um, I don't operate in a silo. My husband made the choice uh, a couple months ago to stay at home. So we do have that privilege. I also have all of my family in town. So my sisters babysit, grandma babysits, papa babysits. And that's really just culturally, that's how I grew up. I never had a babysitter that wasn't related to me. Um, And so for us, we've just been really lucky that family has been very much able to support that background work. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The other side of being a woman, having kids and quote unquote, having it all or leaning in. And I kind of joke like, I don't know, you know, like some days are hard. Some days you want to cry in your car. Some days people think you're a bitch. You can censor that. I'm sure you will, you know, and that's okay. I I think it's just very much a human experience for me as, as in a leadership role or supervising people or meeting with donors. I just don't try to be anything that I'm not. So this, this is me, right? I'm not a corporate professional. I don't show up, you know, wearing a blazer and a suit and tie. I know how to do those. I know how to show up in those spaces. Um, But at the same time, I think in our work, working with humans and doing community building, there's something very authentic in being vulnerable and saying, you know, I don't really know that answer right now. Let me talk to my colleagues and, and get back to you on that. Or, you know what, this is my opinion on it. And I am in charge and that's a directive. So you either shove it or love it, right? With having kids, I think it's, you know, to your question before, it's how how do I show them that that's what life is? There are no clear-cut answers. There, I have good and bad days. I'm not always a good mom. I'm not always a good boss. And that's okay that, you know, the humans aren't perfect. And that's kind of the beauty of our design is we're allowed to try again the next morning. And hopefully when you have a good support system and colleagues and friends, they forgive you. So... Uh, forgiveness, I think, is a lot. I'm incredibly hard on myself. I think being a mom has made me better at that, that I'm less hard on other people, but I internalize that a bit more that, Mm. oh, crap, Maggie was supposed to turn something in at school, and why am I not volunteering for that dance? Or, you know, I I wasn't invited to a friend's birthday because I haven't talked to them in a year, and that's on me, right? And But at the same time, I feel like I'm living a good life and I'm, I'm, I'm working on all of those things. I'm really interested in mindfulness in theory, but I've never done it yet. Right. Like I haven't started. I like wine. I'm in a running group. I I do watch Netflix and I tune people out and I turn off my phone and I think it's all of those things. Um, I don't particularly see myself as like a powerful woman leader. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to, it does feel like an awkward pair of shoes. Like that just doesn't fit. Um, yeah. You grew up in Oakley. I did. Grew up in Oakley on 33rd Street. And my mom still owns a house on 31st. And have just seen the neighborhood change a lot. But where, where I grew up, it was not unusual to knock on the door and borrow a cup of sugar. That sounds fake. Like nobody does that. And my, you know, I asked my husband, didn't you guys do that? And he said, no, we bought our own damn sugar. I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) we would like, hey, John, can we, you know, do you have a tomato? Do you have a slice of bread? That was just how 33rd Street was. You know, front yards were just a big giant playground. Um, When we had children, we intentionally thought, where do we want to live? We don't want to live away from our family. We don't want to live away from a place that we don't know. We're we're rooted. So there's a difference there. I've never felt stuck in this city. I've always felt like there are opportunities and new things to explore. Um, I've always felt planted, not inhibited by Cincinnati. So we live in Madisonville now, bought our first house there in 2007. 
we outgrew that in 2014 when my daughter was born. And much to my husband's dismay, I said, we can't look at any other houses outside of Madisonville. So really limited the housing market there. Um, So now we live on Erie. Um, We dug up the front yard on purpose so that we could have wildflowers and watch the cars and the joggers and the bikes go by. Um, and that's, that's how we like to live our life is how do you be more local? What does it look like to live there over 40, 50 years, similar to the way I grew up? My family lived in Oakley since 1930s. How can I recreate that experience for my children in Madisonville? So sometimes it requires going to things we don't really want to go to, you know, like potlucks or community events or showing up at the jazz and barbecue festival. I don't like jazz, but I'm going to go because my neighbors are putting this on and I know I'm going to see people that I should be supporting. And I think you want to feel connected to the community. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to just go home, shut the door and turn on Netflix. I want to know who's across the street. I want to know what people are working on. I want to be curious. I want it to be my space, not just where I live. So I think there's a difference there. Let's talk about one or two of the people that inspired you. How did they inspire you? Oh, goodness. Um, For you to be where you are. Yeah. I think I've just seen it personally. You know, I, there would be like national heroes or literary heroes that are great to talk about. But like personally, where I grew up, we could never go anywhere without my aunts or my grandma knowing somebody. You know, we'd get stuck at IGA's parking lot for like a half hour after we've been grocery shopping because, you know, you're just shooting the breeze or like you couldn't get out of church fast enough because you'd get cornered and you'd, you know, be stuck talking to people. Stop and talk. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's there, there was this meme recently floating around about the Midwestern goodbye. where like your hands on the door and you've hugged and you've kissed everybody. And an hour later, you're still standing there. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I think it's that. Um, Did your parents work in community service? No, I, I come from a working class family. So my mom was a single mom. She had me young. Um, so we lived with my grandmother for a number of years. Um, you know, service, I think, was just a little bit different. You know, the word service was not was not said in my house. It's just what you did. Right. If a family member falls on hard times, you feed them. If your neighbor needs their dog watched, you do that. If the church has a sale or a festival, you host a booth. So that was the family ethic. Yeah, I think that's just what it is. You get done what needs to be done and you take care of those closest to you. And if you have a little bit more, you take care of those who, who need that as well. So, you know, there wasn't that. We never did a family service project, but there was um, that understanding that, you know, even if you have a little, you still have something to give to somebody else. When you look at the work that you and your colleagues at Starfire have accomplished. What are you what are you most proud of? I think it's the intangible work. So we just had a we call them community conversations. So each week we we gather people that work with us and people that we support and they're open to the community as well to just brainstorm. I think what I'm most proud of is that my colleagues have helped heighten the imagination about what's possible for a person with a disability, right? So If I think 30 years ago, that would not have been the case. It would have been institutionalization, not school or, you know, you shouldn't have this child. They don't belong in the community. Now what I'm seeing is um, much more of an acceptance and much more of wanting more for somebody's life. Why can't Michael be a brewer? Why can't Becky, you know, get a job in a nursery? Why can't we do a mural in St. Bernard? Why can't we? work on these things together? And what I've seen overall is that the community is accepting of that because our staff model what that looks like to be in community with somebody who society would tell us does not belong and is not valued and, you know, doesn't add anything. Um, so I, I think that's probably a point of pride is just changing that conversation a bit that when we say all means all, it has to include people that 
don't necessarily fit in a way that you and I might. Is there anything that has been lost on the community that you want to communicate or get people to understand about people with disabilities? For me, it's just really simple things. When we talk about connections or community building, these sound like uh, words that experts would throw around. But really, it can be as simple as who is being left out of your church? Who is not at the table when you have a birthday party? Who is not you know, on your, your rec softball team? And for us, it's making those small asks to say, why not? You know, why couldn't this person be included with some support, with some help? But I also think it's kind of a broader conversation of who's not at the table, whose voice isn't being heard. Um, If I think that everybody with a disability has a gift or a talent and something to give back to the world, well, I also have to think about that, you know, with a family member I don't like or my neighbor who maybe has a yard sign for a political candidate and I didn't vote for. So it's kind of across the stream that giftedness is inherent in all of us. Um, It just is finding those ways to connect on a really simple level. And I think some of that's transparency and honesty and conversation and vulnerability, which humans don't like, right? We like to paint a broad brush and have a one size fits all for everyone and have a system and a program. And that's not what life is. And that's, I think that's what we found for people with disabilities, that programs and systems really don't honor who they are as people. You know, nobody's born to be a client. Nobody's born to be a consumer. I know I wasn't. So why can't we strive for something more for people who often get left out of that conversation? How do people find you? Yeah, we so we've been around for a while. So under the name Starfire, that has a bit of brand recognition. Um, Sometimes it's word of mouth. Um, We have a a pretty strong reputation outside of the state of Ohio as well as being a best practice for integration. So we often get asked to travel to places. Can you teach our staff to think about connecting as opposed to just caretaking? Can you come and help us talk to our board about changing these models here locally Um, Hamilton County Disability Services is a good partner of ours. So people might say, hey, I know this family that's really talking about what you're talking about. Would they maybe be a fit for working on this with you? Um, But mostly, you know, we're small on purpose. I I like to say we're boutique. We don't want to be a Walmart of disability services. Um, and, And the other side of it is this can be done outside of services. You can do this in your neighborhood. You can do this within your family. It doesn't necessarily take a paid staff to say, Let's think about how we can interrupt some patterns that haven't been serving us well as a community or as a family or as a person. But if someone does want to help Starfire, how can they do that? Yeah, um, contact me. That's always an easy way. Um, we think that, you know, your, your talents can be used with a variety of places. Do you want to work on a project with us? Do you want to join a fundraising committee? Do you want to host something for us? Do you just want to come to an event we're putting on? Um, do you want to partner with us? There's kind of a wide variety. As much as we say that our work is one-on-one and individualized, I think that is also true of people who want to volunteer or give back or get involved. So it's usually over coffee. Let's talk about it. Let's negotiate. Yeah. If anybody wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Starfire, is there a website they can mm-hmm. go to? Starfirecincy.org and uh, Starfire Cincy on Facebook as well. Candace Jones-Peelman. Thanks for coming on Person of Interest. Sure. Thank you. And that's going to wrap up this edition of Person of Interest. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. And if you found Candace as interesting and fascinating as we did, send us an email to POI, which stands for Person of Interest, POI at WKRQ.com. We always welcome your thoughts. 
Also, feel free to make a suggestion for a future person of interest. Our plan is to keep producing more of these episodes as long as people like you continue to listen to them. Please be sure to check back with us. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas. 